welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. I'm your host. This is episode 246. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, we're well into October. There's a crispness in the air, leaves on the ground, COVID-19 running rampant, swirled in with our pumpkin spice whatevers. Mmm, yummy. Hopefully all of you are having COVID-free pumpkin spice. Or, you know, if you prefer, no pumpkin spice. And I hope that, you know, living in such a divisive world as, as we're in now, where we just can't agree on everything, I, I hope that you uh, pro-pumpkin spice people are being kind to the anti-pumpkin spice people, because, you know, the, the world is big enough for both of us. I have not enjoyed any pumpkin spice yet. Henry, Henry is here, by the way. Henry, do you like the pumpkin spice? Henry doesn't know. He's open-minded. That's the way you should be, Henry, in this world. Be open-minded. That's what I think, anyway. So, enjoy your pumpkin spice, perhaps while you're listening to the rest of this podcast. All right. Uh, What's going on in news this week? Henry, do you have any news? No. No? Clearly, there's absolutely nothing going on in the world right now. Uh, There's no protests or COVID or presidents in the hospital or, as I'm recording this, he is. He has been. Uh, President Trump's been in the hospital for a couple of days, reportedly doing well. Apparently, he had. You know, he's getting the experimental drugs, which a lot of other people don't have access to. But you know, that's a story for another day. Last reported, he got some supplemental oxygen, is how they put it. Yesterday, no ventilators or anything as of this recording. We of course wish him well. Uh, whatever we think of him politically, we don't want him to be ill. We want him to have a fast recovery as well as everybody else who is ill. Uh, that's the big news story right now. But that really has nothing to do with uh, a dopey little Atari podcast like this one. So why don't we just get on to this week's game? This week's game is Bugs Bunny. I was so excited when I heard of this game. I heard of it a long time ago. Some time ago on the show, we did Roadrunner, and that was a lot of fun. So I was excited to, uh, to do Bugs Bunny eventually, and now that time is here. I was a big Looney Tunes kid, you know, Merry Melodies, the Looney Tunes have been around for decades. I was about to ask Henry if he ever got into the Looney Tunes, but he just left the room. My recollection as a, as a kid, him and his sister, I of course introduced them to Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and all those guys, but I don't know that they ever were you know, rabidly fans, but I was, uh, which is why I was excited to play this game. The Bugs Bunny was pr- uh, produced by... Atari, of course, in 1983. It was never released, so it's a a prototype, essentially. And the game uh, goes something like this. What's up, Doc? Stop. Look out, Elmer. You're gonna hurt someone with that old shotgun. What's up, Doc? Bugs Bunny is only looking for some tasty carrots to eat. That wascally rabbit. Elmer Fudd would rather make Bugs Bunny stew. Be very, very quiet. Elmer is hunting wabbits. The object of the game is to pit carrots while avoiding the shotgun blast from one Mr. Elmer Fudd. Elmer may not be the shrewdest hunter, but he is certainly persistent. Three shots from Elmer's Elmer's gun, and that's all, folks. You'll score points when you successfully dive into your hole. When all three levels are complete, the next round begins, with Elmer and his bullets moving faster. There is a two-player game where a second player can control Elmer. We should try that, Henry. Henry just wandered back into the room. There is a version of the Bugs Bunny game where one of you is Elmer and one of you is Bugs Bunny. We should try that. Henry hasn't really had a chance to play the game yet. Henry, before you left the room, or after you left the room, I was 
trying to remember if you guys, if you and Sophie ever got into uh, the Bugs Bunny cartoons when you were kids. Were you ever a Bugs Bunny fan? He's shrugging, which doesn't make for great podcasting, but it's kind of my memory, too, that you guys never really were all that. You were not anti-Bugs Bunny, but you were never really all that into it. Yeah. As Bugs Bunny, select the level you wish to begin stealing carrots on by moving the controller up and down, stopping when you have highlighted the level of your choice. Press the fire button. The carrots disappear from below Bugs. Elmer's dog will dig Bugs out of his burrow. Quickly dive back into the safety of your hole by pressing the fire button, timing your jump to land directly on top of the hole. A miss, and you'll have to readjust your feet and jump again. Elmer has taken notice of your carrot stealing and is after you with a shotgun. Avoid his bullets and return to the rabbit hole. As Elmer fudd, you've got eight bullets in that old shotgun. Move the controller left and right to line up a shot on Bugs Bunny. Return to your house to get eight more bullets for the gun. Stop Bugs three times to end the game. So, you plug in the game, you turn it on, you plug in the joysticks. As Bugs Bunny, you move the joystick up and down to select the level in which you want to start the game. Move the joystick left and right to control Bugs' movements on the level. The fire button causes Bugs to jump and to steal bullets. I didn't know stealing bullets was an option. Interesting. As Elmer Fudd, move the joystick left and right to move Elmer left and right. Elmer's shotgun is pointed directly below Elmer. Align your shot by placing Elmer over your target and pushing the fire button. With your television turned on, duh, insert the cartridge into your 2600 or 7800 explained in the owner's manual. If you guys need help with that, there's really nothing I can do for you. Push the controller switch to the on position. Bugs Bunny title screen appears. Select the game you want. Press the reset to start the game. The left difficulty switch controls the size of the rabbit hole. A position is a small hole. B position is a larger hole. The right switch controls the speed of Elmer and the bullets. A position is slow. B position is fast. For the beginning player, it is easier to obtain high scores with the left difficulty switch in B, right in A. Advanced play is achieved with the difficulty switch in position A, right difficulty switch in position B. The TV type switch has no function in Bugs Bunny. Games 1 and 3 are one-player games. Games 2 and 4 are two-player games. You have the possibility of scoring from 10 to 70 points on each level. Maximum points are achieved by quickly returning to the rabbit hole. 100 points are awarded when Bugs steals Elmer's bullets. An additional uh, life is awarded at 1,000 points. Score big and relax with an entertaining intermission featuring Bugs, Elmer, and some special friends. My goofing around this game this morning, I didn't come anywhere close to that intermission. So I'll have to play it some more so that I can see that. Or maybe I'll go on YouTube, I'll bet it's on there somewhere. Bugs can move from one side of the screen to the other by jumping off the screen. Bugs must be in the air to perform this wraparound move. This is a tactic to fool Elmer and avoid his shots. You can earn extra points by stealing Elmer's bullets when you are on the top level. Press the fire button when Bugs is directly below Elmer's cache of bullets. Go for the bullets in every round. Get back to the rabbit hole fast for maximum points. Bugs Bunny is the creative product of former Atari designer and programmer Mr. Bob Polero. Bob was employed by Atari from 78 through 84. His efforts on Bugs Bunny followed his other highly respected and admired Atari 2600 games Defender, Real Sports Volleyball, Desert Falcon, Sprint Master, Roadrunner, and Rampage, as well as familiar prototype titles such as Dukes of Hazard, Stunt Cycle, and Holy Moly. Wow, Holy Moly I've not heard of. Bob continues his career from his home base in Santa Cruz, California. I don't know when this was written, so I can't say for sure if that's the case as of 2020. The Atari 2600 Bugs Bunny game has been known in its incomplete prototype form for many years. This preliminary development copy was play-tested by Atari, which may account for its existence in today's collector community. 
the game was held up for release by Atari pending the addition of play features deemed necessary for commercial success. Added was the sec- were the second player option and the house graphic, allowing for bugs to steal bullets from Elmer. Only one original example of the complete code of this game is known. Coded in 83, the Bugs Bunny game you own is a completely authentic reproduction of the finished Bugs Bunny game as it would have appeared on store shelves in the fall of 84. I want to clarify... I don't know if that's true. I pulled this manual off the internet. I pulled my copy of the game. Uh, I don't even remember where. I got it as a ROM somewhere. Not at the same place I got this manual, so I can't say that what I played is the complete version. Because I've never seen any other version. It is hoped the game brings as much enjoyment to Atari 2600 enthusiasts as it does to those responsible for its creation and release. The game does have an original Easter egg, which is yet to be found. If anyone knows what that Easter egg is and has found it, Go ahead and tell me what that is. Maybe I'll talk about it on a future show, I guess with a spoiler warning, in case anyone doesn't want to know. And that is how you play Bugs Bunny. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. While I'm thinking about it, one of the interesting things about Looney Tunes and this game and so forth is the premise of the game is Elmer Fudge, uh, Elmer, uh, Elmer, Fugs, Elmer Fudge is chasing down Bugs with his shotgun. And the whole point of the game is that Bugs doesn't want to get shot. That, of course, was the premise of many Looney Tunes cartoons. People getting blown up and shot and so forth. Or rabbits or dogs or whatever. There is a new series of Looney Tunes cartoons out now or coming soon, I'm not sure. I think on HBO? I don't know. But they are very famously not letting Elmer have a shotgun. Um, they have made a creative decision uh, to reflect modern sensibilities by not letting anybody shoot anybody. Because, you know, understandable concerns about gun violence and so forth. They apparently are, are totally okay with TNT and blowing stuff up, but they're not going to let anybody get shot. I have mixed feelings about that. I get I get the concern, but I also think there is some value in kids being able to differentiate between cartoon violence and real violence and what that differentiation means and, and how to respond to things like that. So, uh, I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. If you guys want to weigh in on the whole cartoon violence thing, go ahead and maybe I'll share some of that on a future episode. I would like to ask Henry what he thinks about that, but my co-host has wandered away again. I think some episode, I'm just going to wander away at some point, and I'll let Henry finish the show. That could be interesting. Okay, I think I may have found what the uh, Easter egg is. Atari Protos uh, has a review where they, in their notes section, indicate that Bob, here's a spoiler, I guess, Bob Polero and Alan Murphy's initials are hidden in the game. 
and spoiler. They comment that Bugs Bunny was probably supposed to be part of Atari's children's series, but was shelved in favor of Snoopy and the Red Baron after Snoopy tested better. I've done that game on the show, and I remember liking it very much, so that was probably a good choice. Snoopy probably got the mod, uh, the Protoss Review says, because it's, fast pay- it's a fast-paced shooting game, and Bugs Bunny is more of an action game that's played in spurts. This isn't to say that Bugs Bunny is a bad game, it's just different. Think of a little summary of how you play the game. Each board looks the same as the previous board with a minor change in color. After eight levels, you're treated to a short intermission of Bugs chasing after a running carrot with Elmer and the Hound in close pursuit. Bob Polero admitted that this animation really didn't have a purpose. It was just put in the game as eye candy because there was room left over. Bob also had room to hide his initials to trigger them, to trigger them, play the game up to the 11th level, and then get shot while jumping to the right. If you do this correctly, Bugs will hit the ground and... BPAM will appear above him, Bob Polero and Alan Murphy. It's easy to see why Snoopy won. Bugs Bunny just doesn't have the long-term playability that Snoopy does. It gets very hard very fast, and younger players would have trouble getting very far. Still, seasoned players for seasoned players, Bugs Bunny offers more action and a challenge that Snoopy lacks. I saw an article on Atari Age, Atari2600.com, Atari Bugs Bunny release is the... Uh, pretty straightforward title of the article. I don't know when the original article is from, but there's an update to it dated April 18, 2002. So this is pretty old. Gives a little history of how the game was developed. Essentially, it was an announcement that an unreleased version of the Atari 2600 game was going to be released at, at that time, next month's Philly Classic 3. It was a version straight from programmer Bob Polero, who basically was going to be handing out copies and signing autographs. The version that was being handed out was more complete than the, at that time, current version, with a simultaneous two-player mode being one of the biggest additions. Included with the game was going to be a full-color reproduction box, color instruction manual, and cartridge label. In 2001, Bob had contacted this firm that was in possession of the game. Uh, they formed a partnership to bring Bugs Bunny to the gaming community with a full reproduction box, color instruction manual, cartridge label. They give a special note to Bob Polero's continued support and enthusiasm for the project, and then the update in 2002 was that uh, Atari2600.com was announcing a Bugs Bunny Easter egg promotion. The Atari 2600 Bugs Bunny game was scheduled for release on Saturday the 27th of 2002 and contains a hidden message from programmer Bob Polero himself, i.e. their initials. Be the first to successfully find the initials, crack the Bugs Bunny Easter egg, and win two weekend passes to Classic Game Expo 2K2 including two nights at the Plaza Hotel and Casino, Las Vegas, compliments of Atari2600.com. If any of you out there happens to be the one that did this, let us know. So that's pretty cool. As far as I can tell, and according to the Looney Tunes wiki, there have been three Looney Tunes games released for the 2600, or created anyway. Bugs Bunny, which was, as we know, planned and developed, obviously, but not released. And then there was Taz in 1983 and Roadrunner in 85. I'm not familiar with the Taz game. I'm going to have to look for that. Um, Roadrunner, of course, I've done on the show. Now we're doing Bugs Bunny. I am going to look for Taz. If any of you has thoughts about any of these Looney Tunes games, uh, let me know. All right. Well, after the break, we're hippity-hopping down the bunny trail. Rabbit. 
he's stealing my carrots. That was my eerily good Elmer Fudd impression. Because today we're playing Bugs Bunny. I was a big Looney Tunes fan as a kid, as most of us were. Uh, so I was excited to see this game was a thing. And then I played it. But we have to do the field report anyway. So let's do that. First impressions. Hey, come back. There he is. Elmer Fudd looks really good. There's the dog digging a hole. Bugs looks really good. Kind of looks like a retro old school Bugs. The instructions say that the, the game is you picking carrots and trying not to get shot by Elmer. But it took me a while to figure out. No, I just got shot in the butt. That's a metaphor for life. It took me a while to figure out in the game you don't actually, the carrot picking is sort of taking care of for you. All you're really trying to do is get into your hole without getting shot. That is the whole game, apparently. And it's not that easy. There, I did it. This was, you know, a game created for the kids' line of games, so it's important to keep that in mind. It's supposed to be fairly simple. Um, come on. There we go. The dog looks good, too. Sort of a bloodhound kind of thing. A very Looney Tunes-esque looking dog. One wonders how Bugs emerges from the ground not in a hole, and then immediately goes into a hole, but it's best not to question these things. I'm on, I think, like the easiest setting, so the bullets move really slow. Hey, I've got a whole 25 points. Ooh, jumped up 12 points there. There's really no end to the game as far as I know. You just keep going until your last Bugs dies. I'm on my last bugs now, as a matter of fact. The bullets have picked up speed a little bit, I guess. I've advanced, I don't know. I'm gonna, I cracked 50 points. I don't mean to brag. Elmer's doing it now. I'm about to die. There we go. You get the idea. Back to the Looney Tune that is this podcast. Back to you in the studio. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8 bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge based games for Atari's 8 bit computer line? We also review budget games which were mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast, but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? 
I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, Very Short Stories Inspired by Old Games and Odd Thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. So, here's the thing about Bugs Bunny. I like the look of this game a lot. I, it does feel unfinished to me. The hole jumping is awkward. I was confused, like I said, for a while trying to figure out, I'm stealing carrots, why can't I pick any of these carrots? Only to realize that that's being done for you sort of off screen. And all you really need to do is jump into your hole without getting shot. Um, I didn't play it long enough to get to the intermission, which would be fun, or to the bullet stealing, which would be fun. I'm not even sure you can do the bullet stealing on the version that I have on the Harmony card. Uh, I mean, all that said, Bugs Bunny looks great. He looks like a retro, early era Bugs Bunny with sort of the, the longer, more floppy ears than he had in later eras. Elmer looks good. It would be fun if there were more cameos from other characters. Granted, I was only playing early in the game, and that kind of stuff would probably happen later. But, you know, have Daffy Duck do a walk-on or something. Uh, that would be cool. I, I liked Roadrunner a lot. I like this one enough. I probably won't play it very much. I would be more likely to go back to Roadrunner. I'm curious about Taz um, to see what's up with that. Um, but uh, I, I like revisiting the Looney Tunes. That's always fun. I kind of want to go watch some Looney Tunes cartoons now. The old era ones, not the new ones. Um, yeah, so all in all, I'm satisfied. There's nothing in the game that turned me off necessarily. Just maybe left me wanting more. Uh, again, probably due to its prototype status. So, as I've said many times already in this episode, if you guys have thoughts, let me know in one of the ways that you can contact me, which we'll talk about at the end of the show. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story Story, story, story time! With Bill! This week's story is titled, Dangling the Carrot. Do we have any twine? Sebastian asked as he shuffled into the living room. Linda pulled off her earphones. What? Twine, Sebastian said. Do we have any? In the twine drawer, Linda said. Oh, Sebastian said. He half turned, then turned back. Which one is that? Linda sighed. In the chest of drawers, Sebastian, between the 19th century Spanish stamp drawer and the uvula massager drawer. You know that. Oh, right, Sebastian said. He shuffled out of the room. Linda put her headphones back on. Sebastian could be so thick sometimes. Good thing he was such a good pancake masseuse. Linda had slid back into the warm, cozy melodies of classic Chimbawamba when Sebastian returned. Even without opening her eyes, she knew. It was his feral koala musk. That latest experiment had failed, but at least Sebastian could never hide from her. I told you where the twine was, Sebastian, she said. Yep, got it. Sebastian held out a fistful of twine. Do we have any carrots? Linda sighed and yelled over Dunstan Bruce's intense emoting. In the refrigerator, of course. Which one? he asked. The root vegetable refrigerator, obviously. Right, Sebastian said and shuffled out of the room again. 
Linda shook her head. Mama was going to need some extra syrup tonight. Linda had moved on to Lawrence Welk's greatest reggae hits when Sebastian returned. How about a staff? Linda hit pause on the greatest hits for cymbals. Bow staff or quarter staff? Sebastian considered this. Bow staff. Basement closet behind the basket of shackles. Right, Sebastian said. He shuffled out, shuffled out of the room. Linda watched her pancake man move away and wondered what she'd do with her butter tonight. A short time later, the appliance love ballad Linda was enjoying was punctuated with a shattering of glass. She bolted upright, upsetting the chocolate-covered pretzel bowl resting on her stomach. Only then did she realize the glass breaking wasn't in her headphones. It was in her kitchen. Feet asleep from hours of virtual inactivity, Linda hopped into the kitchen. She discovered there that the already majestic floor-to-ceiling view of a tree-filled valley below was now enhanced with a cool autumn breeze. The window was shattered. With a groan, Sebastian pulled the Civil War-era cannon on wheels back from the new opening he had created, glass grinding into the carpet beneath the wheels. What the... Linda said. Oh, yeah, Sebastian said. I borrowed your cannon. The catapult is broken. Sebastian stepped around some shards and sat at the table, where he resumed tying long lengths of twine around uncut carrots. What are you doing? Linda said. Sebastian beamed, holding up one of his leashed root vegetables. Hunting rabbits. Huh? Linda said. Sebastian took seven lengths of twine, each with a carrot on the end, and dangled them over the now wide-open window. He tied the ends of the twine to the cannon. To catch the beast, you got to have the best beast bait. He propped the broadsword and the bow staff against the cannon, easily within reach should the combat degenerate to hand to paw. The beast? Linda said. Yeah, the bunnies are amassing, Sebastian explained. Sort of. Bunnies. Yep, Sebastian said. Hand me the TNT. We're out. Oh, yeah, Sebastian said. Dang it. He dragged a kitchen chair up to the broken window and sat, peering out into the valley. Tell me you're not spying on bunnies, Linda said. Trust me, Sebastian said. They're coming. That's, Linda said, that's stupid. You want the saber or broadsword, Sebastian said. The cannon fire should disperse a lot of them, but we'll still have to go hand to paw with the ones that strike through. I... I, I can't even right now, Linda said, starting to turn to leave. Oh, shoot, Sebastian said. I forgot the boiling oil. I really prefer sesame. I'll be right back. Keep watch, okay? Sebastian shuffled out of the room. Linda could not believe any of this. What a dipshit. Good thing he was good with his berries. She stepped to the broken window and looked out over the edge. She'd always loved this view. She wondered how long the window would be boarded up before Sebastian came up with the cash to fix it. Dumbass. And that's when the ten-foot-tall eastern cottontail rabbit, rabbit left up from the much-vaunted valley below and separated Linda's head from her shoulders. It even ate the headphones, then hopped back down into its bunny crater. On the upside, for hours afterward, the bunny's farts had a Tuvan throat-singing soundtrack. Sebastian shuffled back in to the kitchen, pushing the pot of sesame oil on wheels. I know I messed up the carpet. I'll take care of it, he started to say. Then he glanced up to see the remains of Linda, making the kitchen carpet look much worse than anything he had done in the living room. Oh, well, never mind then.
Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. Apple Podcasts, or should I say Carrot Podcasts, no, no I should not, is the place to leave a five-star review of this show. So, quick like a bunny, hop on over there. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com, like the show on our Facebook page, follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, look us up on Instagram. And don't forget, you can always call us. We're never ever going to answer the phone, so don't worry about that. All you have to do is leave a voicemail, 563-265-1978. Leave a message about eh, pretty much anything you want, and there's a good chance I'm going to play it on the show. Check out the website, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com. There's all sorts of stuff over there. Information, show notes, episode links to this podcast, Atari Bytes, and my other show, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. There's also information about books that I've written, including Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts. And soon there will be a new book coming up. I say that, I have been saying that all year, but uh, mark these words. Before the end of the year, a new book will be out and will be up there as well. It is getting into the holiday season. Books make lovely gifts, just saying. And there are there's information and links to a few of the places that you can order those books over there on the website. So check it out. Please consider supporting the show uh, by becoming a subscriber on patreon.com. Not only will you be helping keep the lights on here in the podcast studio, you will be potentially getting yourself some bonus stuff. Like, for example, uh, access to these episodes early. You don't necessarily have to wait until Sunday to hear an episode every week like a common person. You might be able to get the episode early if you're a Patreon subscriber. You could also, at the $3 level, get yourself uh, some bonus content. Uh, For example, every week, the field report goes up on video there on uh, on the Patreon, and then we do other stuff as well that you only get to see or hear or whatever if you're a $3 per month Patreon subscriber. Or you can subscribe at one of the other levels as well. Whatever works for you. Even better... If you're a Patreon subscriber, you can join the exclusive club currently staffed with these cool folks, Michael Tyler, Jose Cazeta, Sean Courtney, Aerospike, and M. West. Thank you all for being subscribers, and thank you all other people uh, for potentially being future subscribers. All right, I think that's about it for this week's episode, except to tell you what's happening on next week's episode. We're sticking with the unreleased game theme that we've sort of got going right now for next time on Atari Bytes, because we're going to play the Dukes of Hazard. Oh, yeah. If Looney Tunes were part of my childhood, um, a small part, the Dukes of Hazard were, were for better or worse, uh, for a couple years, a much bigger part. Uh, let's just say I even have a record album of the different characters from the show, actors from the show, singing songs uh, in character. So uh, that's a thing that exists. And I think that I own. It's actually right next to me over here, a little ways away from me in my meager uh, vinyl collection. Uh, I still have the thing. So we're going to talk about the Dukes of Hazard next week. If you have thoughts about the Dukes of Hazard, uh, let me know. 
So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.